0: Hello, and welcome to the I'm Learning Mandarin podcast, I'm your host Misha. I've been learning Mandarin independently outside of China whilst working full-time for around four years now. I'm currently at a solid intermediate level in which I can comfortably hold long conversations with native speakers on a wide variety of topics, and I recently started a blog documenting my journey of striving towards fluency, and also to help other learners who are at the beginning of their mandarin journeys. So the goal of my blog, and of this podcast, is to help you learn how to learn Chinese. You see, as an independent learner based in the UK, the first two years of my studies were largely spent figuring out what I should be doing. I hope to help you speed up that process by offering insights and tips based on my experience. So each week, I'll be discussing a new topic regarding how best to learn Chinese, drawing on stories and insights from my experience. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also visit my blog at imlearningmandarin.com, or one word, and sign up to get regular new blogs pinged to your email. Anyone who studies a language has to combine a mixture of approaches which broadly fall into two categories, naturalistic. And structured. Naturalistic approaches involve learning through immersion in the target language environment, reading books, watching tv and having conversations. Structured approaches meanwhile involve focused and deliberate study, such as learning grammar, memorizing vocabulary and repetition drills. Traditionally, highly structured approaches were favored in the classroom but it's fair to say today's online language learning community has waged war on this idea. Language learning should be all about fun, enjoying yourself. The influential linguist Stephen Krashen argues that the most effective way to acquire a language is to expose yourself to content which you can comprehend and immerse yourself in activities which you enjoy. The more time you spend doing this, the more you will gradually progress closer and closer to fluency. I myself have been heavily influenced by these ideas and I think I've benefited from them immensely. It was largely through immersing myself in content I enjoyed that, despite not living in China, I was able to self-study to a level where I could comfortably engage in meaningful conversations with native Chinese speakers. But I've also learned from experience that relying too heavily on immersion alone when studying Chinese has its limits. This is particularly the case when it comes to tones and characters, two aspects of Chinese which many learners find hard to master. So to discuss these ideas with me, I have invited a guest who's a friend of the podcast, Lionel Rowe. And Lionel speaks fluent Chinese, which he acquired while living in China for a period of seven years. Um, His learning methods were much more structured than mine, particularly at the beginning. So I thought it would be interesting to discuss our different language learning experiences with him on the podcast. So Lionel, welcome to the podcast.
1: It's great to be here, Misha. Thanks for having me on.
0: So I wonder if you could, first of all, take us back to when you first started learning Chinese. So did you first start learning Chinese in China or were you already learning Chinese uh, in the UK, where you're from before that?
1: Sure. So I was at university studying for my uh, philosophy degree. I had recently acquired an interest in uh, learning languages, uh, and I'd started j- during my second year of university. Um, learning Russian got a sort of okay distance with that. Spent a l- very large amount of time poring over um, conjugation tables and declensions and inflections and all of this uh, fun stuff that you have to deal with in in Russian. And I was, I was, I was really, I was quite enjoying it, but. It sort of got to a point where I felt like I wasn't really making a lot of progress. And at that point, I was also just beginning to get interested in um, Chinese language and Chinese culture. And I think the thing that really drew me in to start with, um, with Chinese, was actually the characters. Because I, I just found it endlessly fascinating um, about how these sort of semi- ideographic characters that had this, you know, history stretching back thousands and thousands of years, originating in in uh, pict- pictographic representations of, uh, of objects and things, and how this had evolved into this immensely complex and quite beautiful script. I think that was the original draw for me.
0: Yeah, I think characters are something that, like, draws a lot of people in to learning Chinese in the first place. It's interesting that one thing you mentioned there was that It sounds like the first language you tried to acquire, Russian, the approaches that you were using there were quite highly structured with almost no immersion at all you were learning in the UK. When you then started learning Chinese, what kind of approaches were you using at first there? And was that in the UK?
1: Absolutely. So my my approach to learning Russian, you're you're bang on was very highly, highly structured and actually I think very uh suboptimal. Um I, I learned a lot about declension tables, but I didn't really um learn to to, you know, gain any degree of uh fluency in the language. Um so I think that's partly why I'd perhaps become uh, frustrated with that. So with with Chinese it was a little bit different. So this was also still in the in the UK. This was now in my um, my third year of university. It's a, a, a three-year degree and we had uh, the option to take some elective modules of a language and there were various languages offered by the university. Uh, one of them was Mandarin Chinese so I jumped on the chance. I took Mandarin Chinese uh, one and two so these were quite elementary levels and I found it very interesting. It really captured my uh, imagination, and I, I f- found myself actually spending um, a massive amount of time revising for those classes, going beyond the uh, the work set in in, in class, um, and really learning around that. I I was I was finding that um, I, I was able to get close to sort of a hundred percent grades in those because of the amount of extra work that I'd been doing around it.
0: So, what kind of work? So, when you talk talk there about like you were doing. A lot of extra work outside of class so what specifically were the methods you were deploying what kind of work were you doing
1: so at this point i had also um kind of started self-studying alongside the um uh, the, the, the the classwork i'd purchased a book called uh, complete mandarin chinese it's one of the teach yourself uh series and I, so I was learning uh, a lot from, from that as well, Do it, going through that and doing the, uh, the exercises.
0: Mm-hmm. And what kind of exercises were they? Were they grammar exercises? Were they vocabulary exercises, memorization? What, what, what was that?
1: So the, the, the Teach Yourself series, it's a fairly sort of, um, I suppose, traditional um, approach to language learning. It would be, be a kind of mix of things. Um, so there's, uh, there's grammar, there's pronunciation. Um, there'll be, uh, you know, fill in the blanks kind of things, this, 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 sort of
0: thing. How much Chinese did you feel you learned in that, in that period of time?
1: At the time it felt like I was learning a lot in retrospect, percentage wise of the percentage that you'd need to attain any level of fluency. It was, it was, it was barely anything, but it was, it, it felt like a, a, a lot of stuff. And it, at that, I think really motivated me as well was that there was that sort of very clear sense of uh, progress um, and of internalizing all of these cool things about this, uh, this new language. And, and of course, as I say, that the, 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 the beauty that I found in the, in the script was, was something that kept me motivated as well.
0: Yeah. And then it sounds like all these methods were very highly structured. So then um, when you went to China shortly after that, how did you feel? Your level of Chinese was at that point. How did you cope with being in China? What was that like?
1: So when I when I finally um, arrived in China, this was I'd, I'd uh, got a job um, teaching English uh, with with EF, um, and so I, I arrived with a cohort of other teachers that were going to be uh, sent to uh, you know various. At teaching centers around, uh, Beijing. Some with uh, kids and some with adults. Most of us had had no kind of previous background in in China. Um, some of us had at least at least some experience with with learning Chinese. And I remember there was uh, there was one person who, to me at the time, seemed like she had just absolutely you know flawless, fantastic Chinese. She could you know fluently converse with uh, the the um. Uh, the servers when ordering food and all, all of this kind of thing and uh, obviously my level at, at, at this stage it was it was still pretty basic and so i i had this experience of of you know of, of seeing this 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 person you know what what to, to, to me at the time seemed like uh, you know use use the language in really kind of impressive ways and uh that was that was quite inspiring actually at the at the time
0: at that point then when you got to china what From then on, what was what were your study methods like and what was the balance like between how would you describe the balance between the kind of structured methods of language learning and the more kind of um, the more immersive methods? Um, What did you spend more of your time doing?
1: Sure. So for at least the first couple of years that I was in China, first few years. I was never not doing at least some form of kind of structured learning, classroom learning. That took various different forms. Um, so for the first year or so, first two years, I think, I had started learning with a place called the Culture Yard in Beijing, um, which is a fantastic little uh, uh, little school in a, in a hutong. And, and they do various different um, lessons. I took actually then uh, a year out of, of working to concentrate on on studying Chinese. And I took a year at, at Tsinghua University at their language course. And that I think was really helpful. Um, obviously, quite highly structured, you know, classroom uh, learning environment, perhaps somewhat kind of traditional approach to teaching, but I still found it very helpful. And then since then, it's yeah, been yeah. a bit more patchy.
0: Yeah, so I was going to ask then, because... At this point, while you were continuing to use these highly structured classroom methods and attend Chinese courses, you were also immersed in the language environment because you were in China. Did you have a real sense that being immersed in the language environment was a huge benefit?
1: Yeah, so there absolutely are obviously massive benefits to learning in country, to having that um, immersive environment. I think you'll be you'll be very hard pressed to find someone who says that immersion doesn't help a lot when when learning a language. It's also definitely not the case that immersion alone um, is going to help you pick up really quickly. I think some people kind of have this idea that purely by osmosis you're going to um, you know pick up large large amounts of, of Chinese just by being in a in a Chinese environment. Um, in, in my experience, you know, from what I've seen of other learners, it doesn't matter the extent, or it matters very little the extent to which they're immersed if they're not actively learning the language as well. So I think there's there's definitely, there's a balance that needs to be struck in terms of expectations. So yes, immersion helps a lot, but it only helps if you're also putting in the effort to, you know, to proactively learn the language.
0: I think that's absolutely true. I think one thing that's interesting Some of the differences between learning Chinese which make this kind of idea that immersion is all that's needed or that comprehensible input is all that's needed. Um, One of these is characters and another one is tones, which is, I know, a subject that you um, are interested in. So can you tell me more about your experience of tones and also your thoughts about how you think, uh, what the best ways to acquire them? are in terms of the balance between immersion and structured learning?
1: Sure. So my experience with tones, I think I think it's fair to say when I've talked with other Chinese learners, a lot of the time my experience doesn't really mesh with theirs. So for me, um, very early on when I started learning Chinese, again with this uh, Teach Yourself Chinese book, so that comes with a couple of CDs, and so I was I was playing the track um, on the CD where it would go through all of the uh, you know various initials, finals, and tones. So not 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 just tones, but everything about um, pronunciation. And I would spend a good amount of time back then just purely drilling uh, the syllables. So I'd be you know sitting sitting there in front of my t- in front of my CD player. And the the woman on the tape would say Zhuang, and I would say Zhuang. And then she would say Jua, and I would say "Dwa." Uh, so I really spent a lot of time kind of getting the pronunciation right um, early on, um, including tones. Uh, and I do think that's obviously going to have helped.
0: I think, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things that you said there. I think the explanation that you gave as to why... A lot of learners find tones difficult, whereas you didn't makes a lot of sense. I think that in a lot of ways, what's going on here is that at the beginning, when you first, when a lot of people first start learning Chinese, and this was the case in my experience, um, people may tell you like tones are very important in Chinese, but your brain doesn't necessarily, and in most learners' cases, your brain doesn't take that information and immediately apply it to focusing on tones to the extent that is really necessary to master them. Because our brains in English are not used to focusing our attention on the tone of each individual word, at least in my case, when I first started learning Chinese, my instinct was to just focus on uh, the way the vowels and consonants sound, which is what the main focus is on in English. And in other European languages, when I was learning French at school, that was also the case. And so the knowledge that tones are important, if a teacher says that, um, is difficult to internalize and really, at the beginning, impossible to hear until you've really trained your brain to apply focused attention to that aspect of the language. And I think unless you do that, your brain won't acquire the extent of focused attention that it needs to, as I say, master them. So it makes sense that if you started out uh, by doing those kind of drills, that it would lead to huge benefits later on and that you wouldn't have the same problems that other people tend to have. I wanted to move on to talking about characters as well, because uh, characters is another area that you mentioned initially attracted your interest and I think does require... Focused attention, rather than just uh, immersion. I mean, if you just immerse yourself from a beginner level in try and read novels, where where is that going to get you? So you need some kind of structured uh, study approach involving space repetition and that kind of thing. And in my case, that involved lots of flashcards at the beginning, lots of graded readers to cement the flashcards, reading basic uh, sentences and phrases and this kind of thing, um, just seeing the same characters over and over again and eventually having them stick. What was your experience of learning characters like?
1: So as I say, fairly early on, um, I spent quite a large amount of time on learning to write characters. This isn't necessarily something that I would recommend other people to do. but it is something that for me at the time uh, was it really captured my imagination and I, I found to be sort of an enjoyable uh, way of learning. Um, my, my views now on learning to handwrite in Chinese are that there is definitely some some use in kind of learning the basic structure, the, the, the stroke order um and perhaps learning you know a couple of hundred kind of most uh, most common characters that you'll that you'll come across um learn the mechanics of it at least um but beyond that i think there's very limited utility to most learners um, to to actually learn to handwrite and the reason for that is that writing in or typing in chinese and handwriting in chinese are completely different skills so if you have a computer-aided input method, um, usually you will be essentially typing in pinion, and then you have to recognise from a list of characters which is the correct one that you want for the situation, or, or from a list of words, which is the one that you want.
0: Right, that was exactly my experience, and I mean, I, I learned to write a few hundred, and then I got to about 400, I think, and then I was sort of like, I came to the conclusion that I'm able to recognize a load of characters that I'm not able to write out by hand. Um, Writing out by hand isn't necessary um, in order to be able to recognize them visually. You just need to have seen them enough times for them to stick in your visual memory. And so um, I sort of also abandoned the writing aspect, even though I did enjoy it as well, after a few hundred. Um, And then most of the way that I acquired characters from there was, as I say, a combination of space repetition, lots of flashcards and reading of whatever i could get hold of was that also the same for you
1: yeah definitely um, i i definitely went through periods where i would spend a lot of time on uh, flashcards especially periods where i was you know commuting to work on the subway you kind of have that chunk of time to to spend on something why not use it on uh, on flashcards um i was using uh, using pleco for for flashcards and i think that really really did help um a lot um, ultimately, I ended up finding it just became too boring, monotonous and, and repetitive after a while. Um, so I kind of stopped doing it for that reason. Um, but I do definitely think if... If you're able to kind of grind your teeth through the boredom, um, it's it's definitely is is very is a very useful thing to thing to do. And yeah, obviously also lots of is 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 going to help with that, and is is probably a much more enjoyable activity than than flashcards.
0: I think when I sum up my position on immersion versus structured learning in Chinese, it's probably fair to say that I still veer more towards the value of immersion. So I whilst I think that it's important and valuable to spend, and necessary, in the case of tones and characters, to spend time with structured learning, whether that's memorizing flashcards, drilling the tones, until they're second nature. But the bulk of the time has to be spent, in my opinion, immersed, whether that's reading content you enjoy, having conversations with people, watching TV. And from an early stage, I think that's the case. So even towards an upper elementary stage using graded readers and trying to spend as much time with the language as possible. I still believe that that is what the bulk of time should be spent on um, in order for effective learning and acquisition of language to take place. Is that also your position, would you say?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree, actually. Um, So to my mind, there's, 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 there's kind of a the ideal balance to strike would be, early on, you actually spend quite a lot of time on um, structured learning, um, because at that stage it's kind of it's difficult to do the sort of immersive things anyway. Even at the most basic level, you know, even even to read the most basic uh, uh, graded reader, you already need like you know a couple of hundred words under your belt, perhaps. Um, So so the structured approach is obviously useful at at that stage. Um, And it's also useful to kind of, um, you know, encode in your brain a lot of the patterns that you're going to see later on. And later on, hopefully, you're going to then recognise those and go, ah, right, this is this thing that I'm familiar with because I've learnt it in the classroom or I've learned it from my textbook or or, or however I've learnt it. Um, Then fairly quickly, I agree that it's useful to to kind of um, move away from that um, and I think to some extent kind of the faster the better for that. Um, at the same time even once you get to quite advanced levels there'll still be points where you notice perhaps that you don't have a full understanding of a certain structure for example. Um, and I think at those points where you where you notice those those uh, deficiencies, whether it's you yourself have noticed or whether you have a teacher who's who's kind of pointed it out to you. I think it can then be really useful to temporarily go back to that structured approach just in a, in a very targeted way um, and to to improve on that one point. Um, and then again, in the future, hopefully you're going to to, to recognize that going forward. And that's kind of um, it it gives you a, uh, it gives you a kind of scaffold in, on which to hang the 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 rest of your, um, knowledge. That's that's kind of the, the, the the way that I think of it.
0: Well, Lionel, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been really great having this discussion. Some really interesting ideas, I think, have been exchanged, and I think in the end, actually, although our experiences of language learning have been different, our conclusions are quite similar in terms of the things which are important when it comes to acquiring Chinese. So once again, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks Misha,
1: it's been a pleasure.
0: So that brings us to the end of another episode of the I'm Learning Mandarin podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe on Anchor or Spotify. And you can also visit imlearningmandarin.com to have new blogs and podcasts ping straight to your email. So until next time, goodbye.